right. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 5 through 15. I, we, we come back to this every once in a while. I found it just to be a key thing to, uh, it's the Lord's Prayer, so a prayer to live by. And I was just on my back patio one day, one morning, and I was just praying through this. And the Lord's Prayer, often some churches that are maybe what we'd call a little more liturgical, will often recite the Lord's Prayer maybe at their every service that they're at um, or on a regular basis. Um, I've learned when I do funerals and stuff like that, often I incorporate it there. Um, the Lord's Prayer, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with reciting it as is on a regular basis. I don't know if that's what God was intending, what Jesus was intending. I think he more wanted us to catch the principles that are incorporated in the Lord's Prayer, but there's nothing wrong with praying through that. But So that's what we're going to kind of do tonight. We're actually going to implement that tonight. To, this morning we're going to talk about what are some of the key principles that God um, teaches us sh- that should be significant in prayer. Amen? So... Um, so he teaches us how we should pray. So before we dive in, let's uh, begin with the word of prayer, and then we'll read this passage together. Father, we thank you for this day. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We do pray that you would open up your word to us, make it come alive. And uh, maybe there's something there that just we've read through it before, but it's never really popped out at us before. And so, Lord God, that's what I'm praying, that it just comes alive to us, comes alive to us, and that we can... Uh, Apply it to our life. In your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's start with verse 5. Verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus has a teaching here. So it's red letter. If you have the red letter edition, this is a teaching of Jesus. It's called part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites. So the hypocrites were people that tried to rep- be representative one way, but their lives, they li- did other, their behaviors kind of were opposite, okay? Um, For they love to pray in the synagogue, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans. So they thought, you ever been with somebody and they just pray on and on and on, right? You just don't ask those people to pray for the meal, right? Because you're hungry, right? <laughs> but So they thought these long prayers were very spiritual, okay? So, you know, maybe sometimes the short prayers are just as powerful, okay? For they think that they can be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And sometimes we think, man, I don't know all those big words how to pray, you know? I don't think God, I think some of the most powerful prayers could be actually crying out to God and say, God, I need your help. Now, that's pretty basic, right? But sometimes that prayer can be pretty earnest and pretty sincere, and I believe God hears those prayers. All right, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. This is the way you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's say that together. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and for us our debts, as we forgive others who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it depends on what you have there in the NIV or King James. All right? 
So let's look at this a little bit to uh, <coughs> break this down a little here so that we can uh, uh, look at this. So it has six petitions in the Lord's Prayer, an act of God, but it also in that is an implication of our participation calling us to do something as a believer. Okay, so what do we mean by that? Well, we'll find out. All right. So there's six key principles we're going to look at. First of all, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy is your name. All right. You know, there's something about the holiness of God when we draw close to God. You ever been in that prayer time or maybe it's a worship time and you just sense the presence of God and the holiness of God? Now, there's something powerful about that. God is holy, right? And he's been proven holy throughout history, whether it is the song that we sang today maybe is about Moses and God's actions, bringing them through the Red Sea, but also providing for them, or Noah and the ark. There, there is throughout history God's acts of righteousness and his holiness. But Isaiah, when he comes into the presence of God, this is Isaiah 6, and he comes before God and, you know, he says, I'm undone because I'm in the presence of God. And so there is that aspect of holiness. And you go into the book of Revelations and you see that idea of holiness that people bow down before God. You see that throughout Scripture. God is holy, right? But that invokes within us a response. What is that response? To surrender our life to God, but also to be holy as He is holy, right? Right? Because if we see his holiness, it's kind of like, oh, man, I am, boy, I, I thought I was a good person, but not in the presence of God, right? And it's kind of like the light comes on. It's kind of like, wow, I didn't see all that bad stuff, right? And so he calls us into his holiness to be like him. And so the principle there is that God makes his name holy, and I'm expected to live a holy life. And so that idea when we worship him and we magnify him, I think that's an important part. Of prayer, and I, I, I don't want to rush past this point because often when we go to pr- prayer, we skip this point. All right? We get in a bad place, we go right to God, and we say, "God, I need this." Right? Answer this prayer, and we totally skip past the part of just worshiping God and acknowledging who He is—that He's a holy God. Um, I think that is to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Right? Psalms 100 says that. And so as the people of God, he is holy. And so as we come into his holy, as we holiness, and as we acknowledge his holiness, it invokes a response in us to become holy and to live a holy life. Um, and the scripture is pretty clear about that. Be holy as he is holy. And so I think within culture today, I think that is sometimes missing. And down through church history, that if we're going to call ourselves a Christian, there is that idea that we also have to become like him. Okay, that Christ is formed within us. So part of that is holiness, that God perfects us and brings us to the place where we become more like him. Amen? All right. Then he goes on to say, thy kingdom come. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. What does he mean by that? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Well, first of all, God has a kingdom, doesn't he? 
And Jesus would often talk about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. He'd use that terminology. And it's a reference that God has the kingdom of heaven. He is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And when he walked the earth, when Jesus walked the earth, yes, he was functioning with other, within other kingdoms, the Roman kingdom, right? And then even the Jewish community. But he says, my kingdom is not of this world, right? And thy kingdom come refers to that God is bringing his kingdom, his rule to earth. All right? It begins even within our own heart, right? And so when I do the prayer of salvation, usually at the end of a, a service, I talk about inviting Christ into our life for him to forgive us of our sins, but also that idea that he's the Lord of my life, right? And so it's inviting God's kingdom into my life because I want to be part of the kingdom of heaven, all right? And that means I have to live by the kingdom of heaven's rules, okay, and guidelines. And that becomes back to that obedience part. Um, the kingdom of heaven. But it also means that when Jesus came to earth, he brought the kingdom of God to earth. What does that mean? Well, as he walked the earth he and ministered, there were people that needed to be healed, right? There was people that were demon-possessed. There were people that were blind and needed their sight restored. They were crippled. They needed to walk, right? They were loading down with their sins and, and things, and he set them free, right? And so he brought the kingdom of heaven to earth, right? Because in heaven, is there going to be sickness? No. Is there going to be sin? No. Is there going to be demon possession? No. And so when Jesus came, he was bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Amen? And, you know, that is what God wants us to do as well, right? He wants us to bring the virtues of grace, mercy, compassion, to set people free, to lead them into salvation, to know God's forgiveness, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and to set people free. So um, the principle we want to catch there is God brings in the kingdom and I'm I'm to work toward the goal of it coming. How do I work towards the goal of it coming? Well, we help to lead, love, and connect people to a life-changing relationship with Christ, right? We do that through some of our activities, whether it's on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, um, small groups, right? The kingdom of God. And as you know what? I do more of my visitation at where? Walmart. Yeah. How many of you have I seen at Walmart, right? And uh, yes. <laughs> You know, I uh, I connect with people there. Um, hardware store, uh, just around town. If, if we are the people of God, and if you limit your ministry to right here to these, how many walls we have here, right? We say four walls usually, but we're going to miss out because how many of the miracles of Jesus did he do inside the temple? Very few. Very few. There, I think there's a few but very few. Most of them happened out on the street or out on a hillside by a lake. That's where ministry happened. And it often happened when he was going from one place to the other. What happens when you're going from one place to the other? It's kind of like, oh, man, I'm late, right? I know some of you, right? We're on, our, we got, we're on a mission, right? And guess what? Sometimes ministry happens between point A and point B. 
You know, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, he was going from one place to the next. And that's where um, she was set free from her affliction. God set her free. God brings in the kingdom and we are to work towards its coming. We are to be part of bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Amen? Amen. And so thy kingdom come. All right. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. So there again, that kind of builds on the same thing. Of, this is number three of the kingdom of God. What is God's will? It's God's will that there is no more sickness, no more disease, right? That um, nobody is bound by sin, that uh, we, we have the joy of the Lord. That is God's will, right? And, and so as we pray, we're asking that we can experience on earth what is in heaven. Amen? Now, the world is under a curse. I don't know. Maybe I hope that doesn't freak you out. But we, we, we see that in Genesis chapter 3, right? When Adam and Eve sin, it says then we have this thing called the curse, right? So um, women would have birth, uh, pain in childbirth, right? Right? And I always think about, wow, what would it be like? We'd probably have more kids, right, if there wasn't the pain in childbirth. Um, and you didn't have to, you know, men would have to work by the sweat of their brow in their garden. So as I'm working in my garden and then the sweat's rolling down my face like it was a week ago, it's kind of like, you know what, this is all part of the curse, right? In the weeds, right? That's part of the curse too, right? Imagine if you were able to do your garden or if the farmers could do their crops and there was no weeds. Just think of all the money they would save, right? Yeah, man, and the time. Um, that's all part of the curse, right? Sickness and disease is part of the curse, right? That's never God's will. That's part of the curse. And that's when we get, when we get to heaven, it'll be removed. So thy will be done as earth uh, as it is in heaven. So what is the point there? God fulfills his will. I am to discover what that will is and obey it daily in my life. Um, Paul says, In Romans, I'm going to pull that up here just so that I get it right. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, it's 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so as we offer ourselves to God and give ourselves completely to him, we begin to discover his will for our life. Amen? And I, I you know, I talk to people often, and it's kind of like they know they're supposed to do something, but to discover the will of God sometimes can be a little bit tricky. You following me? It's kind of like we want to, you know, like Mission Impossible. We want to get our assignment on our phone, right? It's kind of like do this, right? And we go do it. Now, God has given us some of those things in his word, right? Do this, don't do that. And I don't want to use those terms, but he gives us what his teachings are. But there's also that specific will for you and I, how God has wired you, how he's formed you and shaped you and his will and how to use those gifts, those talents that he's placed within you to further his kingdom on earth, right? 
you're each unique. Okay, if you haven't discovered that, okay, I'm telling you, you're each unique, okay? In a good way. In a good way. And he's, he's wired you. He's given you, whether it is your natural talents or abilities, he's given you for the reason and a purpose. And he wants you to find and to discover his will, how you can further his kingdom for his glory. Um, that is what it means to discover God's will. And I wish at times it was very simple, but I often find that it is something that we have to wrestle with, with God in his word and through prayer and sometimes even through trial and error. It's kind of like we try something out, we think that's going to be great, and it's kind of like, man, I hated doing that, right? That's okay. There is something that God has gifted you in that he wants you to put your heart and soul into to further his kingdom, Amen. And you'll know when it happens because it's kind of like, wow, I enjoyed doing that. And it wasn't even like work. It was like, I enjoyed doing that. And you feel fulfilled and you have that purpose because you're doing what God has equipped you to do. Amen? God fulfills His will. It's my obligation to discover that will and to obey it daily. All right, number four, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. I was praying this on my porch the other day, you know. I, I just think of when we, the season that we're going into right now, um, just, you know, we're, we're feeling it a little bit more when we fill up at the gas pump, right? You know, it maybe used to be 50, 60 bucks now. Some of our vehicles, it's over 100, right? That, that, it's not just a small increase. It's, it's significant, you know, and uh, the store. Um, so give us today our daily bread. Now, this, this is an interesting turn because that word daily... Daily in the Greek, it's just words that's not used very often, okay, especially in Scripture. So they don't really know how to interpret it, right? Okay, but they kind of go back into the Aramaic, and, and you probably don't really care about any of that. But the way it sometimes is translated is the bread of today or the bread of tomorrow or God give us enough to keep us alive and kicking, right? All right, give us the bread we need. All right, those are some translations that try to capture what this means of give us today our daily bread. Now, most translations land on that idea of give us today our daily bread. But what we may miss in that is the idea that it's give us today the, day, today the bread that never runs out. That would be a really good translation. Give us today the bread that never runs out. Now, that really captures what they experienced in the Old Testament, right, with the manna. And it's just an interesting principle, folks, because God, it's not that God didn't have enough manna to provide them for a whole year in one day, right? But they had to go out each day and get the manna enough for today. Why? The only time that they, they deviated from that was on Friday, right? Friday, because Friday they had to have enough for Saturday, they didn't go out on Saturday, which was the Sabbath, right? And so they picked enough for two days. But that's the only time. If they tried to do that any other day, what happened to it? It rotted, got stinky. And so God was teaching them that, that dependence that he is our daily bread. Now, there's always sufficient amount. It'll never run out. But that idea of daily coming before him, folks, and I, I sometimes we go into a season like this where we, the, maybe the finances are a little more of a concern for some of you. And we 
hopefully you have some emergency savings and you have some savings, right? Right? All right. All right. <laughs> but there's still that idea, even for a church or for yourselves, that sometimes we want that idea that we never have to worry about and trust God. But that's not the pattern of Scripture. The pattern of Scripture is that we are to trust God. He is our source. And to daily wait upon Him and that He is enough. He is our daily bread. And that is the pattern we see within Scripture. And, you know, when the Israelites moved from Egypt to Israel, it was a difference in what they had to trust God for. In Egypt, you had the Nile River there. It was very prosperous. That that river was the source that even in drought and stuff, there was always that water there they could irrigate. Um, it was just a little more of an abundant um, place for them to live. They lived in a very fertile area. But when God took them to Israel, Israel didn't have a Nile River. It had the Jordan, but it was down in a valley. It was a different um, landscape, right? And it was very hilly. It was rocky. And Israel is very dependent upon rainfall for crops and just the right weather. If it doesn't have the right weather and the right rainfall, you're not going to get some of those significant crops that they needed to survive, right? Which meant that they were dependent upon God for their provision and for God to send the rains and the right temperatures at the right time, right? They were more dependent upon God. Um, And I, I think it is there again just a picture for us that God wants us to call upon him and to realize that he is our source and to trust him in that. The principle there is he gives the gift of daily bread. I must work to earn it. So that doesn't mean, you know, even the manna, it was out there, but it just didn't hop in their basket, did it? When did you say it just said? They had to go out and pick it up, didn't they? I believe that God will provide for you, but we also have to go out there and do our part, right? Do our part. Often we have to work, right? Man, that's not a four, is that a four-letter word? It is, isn't it? But yes. But uh, there is something that happens through work. It it is a beautiful thing. I think there's fulfillment in it, especially when we're in work that we love. But we have to work for it. And even when we pray, that we pray for God's daily bread, we pray for bread, not cake, right? I like cake. Yeah. Sometimes God gives us bread and cake, right? We pray for that which will sustain us, not all the extras. I do believe that God is faithful in the extras. Um, But it's important that we have that daily bread. We pray for ours, not mine. You know, it's important that we say God provide for me, but also just provide for my, my brothers and sisters, right? And others that need God's provision. Amen. Give us today our daily bread. And, you know, maybe in this season that we're in right now, you may be, that may be a very literal thing for you. But you know what? God is faithful. Amen? And I do believe he'll provide. Number five, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, debt is referring to sin or transgressions. Uh, Matthew is the only one that uses that word debts. Luke and uh, Luke uses both sin and debts. But that debt, um, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? 
And there's nothing that we can do to remove that debt that we have before God except for Christ died on the cross of Calvary. Our sins are removed. Our debt is paid for, right? And in that process, there again, the action is God forgives us, which invokes us to also what? Then do what? Forgive others. And we have that beautiful story in Matthew 18 where you have the unmerciful servant. He, is, he has this huge big debt. You know, it's, if we were to put it in today's terms, it's like $6 billion, all right? That's a lot of money, right? And he doesn't have it. And so he's going to be thrown into jail for the rest of his life. He pl- begs and pleads for mercy. The king forgives him, right? And he goes out happy and rejoicing, but he sees somebody that owes him like $12,000, and he says, what? Give me your, yeah, give me my money. And the guy says, well, I don't have it right now. I'll get it to you. And he says, well, tough luck. And he has him arrested, right? Well, then the king finds out what happened, and he, he brings this guy back, and he says, you know what? I forgave you this huge debt, and you couldn't forgive your brother who owed you a little. And he throws him into jail forever. You know, and it, it, it was a very stark illustration for the people of the time. And it should still be for us today that, um, that God has forgiven us of a lot. And we're also to forgive others. And sometimes we go, so, you know, we'll say, yeah, but you don't know, Pastor Brent, what they did to me. Well, yeah, people can do some harsh things and some mean things. And sometimes it's people that are important to us that hurt us and harm us. But I do know that God wants to work his forgiveness in our lives. Forgiveness hurts you than it will ever. Unforgiveness will hurt you more than it ever hurts anybody else. You have to set yourself free just for your own benefit. And what I do know is you can't give to others what you don't possess yourself. So you have to know God's forgiveness. And it's then that you can then begin to forgive others. So God forgives, and I must forgive. And he even goes on to say in Matthew here that if if we don't forgive others, that God can't forgive us. That seems pretty harsh, but God wants to bring it home that he has forgiven us of much, and we need to forgive others. Amen? You know, and I think this is, if we can make this part of our daily prayer, we don't have to recite the Lord's Prayer per se. In fact, I think reciting it maybe could do is, I think we need to, pray the points that are there, right? And then what if we did that every day, just saying, God, forgive me of my sin, okay? I don't know about you, but I probably sin at least once a day, okay? Some way, shape, or form. Probably more than that. Um, God, forgive me, but also then if there's others that I need to forgive. Because then I go to sleep that night. I'm not worrying about those things. I'm not carrying something around I shouldn't be carrying. I'm forgiving and releasing those things to God. Amen? Okay. Number six, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Amen. So let's bring it home here. Um, the, a better translation is lead us, um, lead us not into temptation. And do not permit us to go into temptation. Instead, deliver us from evil. Um, you know, God can help us in that, right? He's given us his Holy Spirit to guide and direct us and to say, you know what? That's not the best path for you to go down. And th- that is why God has given us his Holy Spirit, just to give us that sense that this maybe isn't the best thing. 
and to obey that, right? Um, I just I just think of sometimes even in our youthfulness we we give in to things and we say yes to things that are out of God's will and those things can hurt us. You, you can't go back and yeah God will forgive you but the consequences are still there, folks. The consequences are still there, and so God wants to. G- how he wants the best for us. He doesn't want to harm you. He wants to bless you. And and so when we follow him, we need God's wisdom and guidance and to just have humility there and say, God, help me to avoid temptation and to be delivered. Temptation is not sin, right? Right? But even for God to just keep us away from temptation, all right? And to avoid that and stay on a good path. So the point there, the principle here, I want to kind of land the plane here, is that he guides me away from evil, and I must live a life of righteousness. Um, I can pray the prayer, but I also must make those decisions to walk in obedience to God's word and to follow his will. Amen. Praise God. Amen. All right. God makes his name holy. I'm expected to live a holy life. Denise, I'm going to have you come. God brings in the kingdom. I am to work toward the goal of it coming. God fulfills his will, and I'm to discover that will and obey it in my daily life. He gives me the gift of daily bread. I must work to earn it. He forgives, and I must forgive. He guides me in the way of evil, and I must live in righteousness. Amen? You know, God is faithful. And maybe you can make this part of your daily routine, maybe in the morning or evening that, you kind of go through those principles so you can recite the Lord's Prayer, but I, what I encourage you is to have that pause button handy saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you take a moment just to say, God, this morning or this evening, I praise you. I, I thank you for your holiness and who you are. And God, that draw me in. You know, be holy. Allow me to be holy too. And to walk in that. And, God, give me today the daily bread, saying, God, this is the provision today. Maybe I need an answer for my son or my daughter. Or um, God knows what those needs are. Maybe we need healing in our body. Maybe we just need strength for today, right? Um, I'm just finding with COVID, I've said this, people's emotional health is not really good right now. We may think that COVID is in the rear of your mirror, but it's starting to hit us. I'm seeing more and more emotional health things. God is there to meet us, okay? God is there to meet us. But it's kind of that two and a half year thing since it started, and it's starting to, we're coming out of it, but it's still, I'm seeing more depression now than I would see in December, okay? Just know where you are at. It's okay. It's okay if you're not there. I believe that God can come in and restore. Sometimes we need to get professional help too. Um, That's okay, right? How many of you have been to the doctor in the last year? Right? Okay. Sometimes we do that for our physical health. Sometimes we need to do that for our emotional health too. Because sometimes we get a virus that impacts our emotions as well. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. Amen.
time. And sometimes our spirit may be even suffering during a time like of this, that we want to sense God's presence, we want to sense His joy, we want to sense that energy, and it, it maybe just isn't there like it once was. And so God is there to refresh us. And I think that's why even like tonight's service, it's a, it's a, there's a little bit of a structure there, but it is a time just with not a lot of an agenda, but just simply come before God and, and, and seek Him in worship and in prayer and let God move in our lives. Amen? So I'm going to have you stand this morning. I'm just going to lead us in prayer. Father, this morning we just come before you. We thank you that you're a mighty working God. And Lord, you you taught us how to pray. And some of the key aspects of prayer, of recognizing who you are and your holiness, and that you're our provider, and that you desire to bring the kingdom of God to earth, and how we can partner with you in doing that. And to forgive as you've forgiven us, and to to know the abundance that comes from walking in faithfulness to you, God. And Lord God, I pray that um, if we don't know you as our Lord and our Savior, that we can take that step this morning just to say, God, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And until we do that, Lord, we can't forgive others because we haven't been forgiven ourselves. But God, forgive us of our sins and be our Lord and our Savior. And God, I believe if we pray that prayer, you are faithful to come into our heart and to begin a new work within us, Lord. And Father, as we, uh, we looked at the Lord's Prayer, help us to model that within our own lives and that we can glean from this and that it can help us just as we live day by day and trust you as our source and trust you as our Lord and our Savior. Lord God, we give you the thanks, we give you the praise, we ask in your name.